On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with the former Survivor Story guest Gene about the overwhelming control tactics of narcissistic abuse and the overwhelming feelings they create. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Jean. How are you? Hi, Brandon. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed today. How are you? I am doing well. I am not overwhelmed today, but that is the topic for today's episode. So thank you for mentioning that. And before we get into our episode about the feeling of being overwhelmed, overwhelm in general from the perspective of the abuser and the victim of domestic violence, narcissistic abuse. If you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There, you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. So Gene's participation in this episode will come later when we will be discussing her feelings or when it comes to how she experiences overwhelm within the relationship, within the narcissistic abuse relationship, and then also in the post-separation version of that relationship as well and being a single parent too. So when it comes to the feeling of overwhelm, uh, you know, in the definition of trauma by Judith Herman from Trauma and Recovery, the Aftermath of Violence, she writes that psychological trauma is an affiliation of the powerless. At the moment of trauma, the victim is rendered helpless by overwhelming force. When the force is that of nature, we speak of disasters. When the force is that of a, a human beings, we speak of atrocities. So in there, she uses the words overwhelming force and overwhelming force. I think of the Gulf War from the 1990s during the first Bush administration, Bush senior. And the headlines back then were shock and awe. Shock and awe was like all over the newspaper, was on CNN. It was just this big headline that was going on. So when it comes to war, the application of overwhelming force is to disarm, incapacitate, or render the enemy militarily impotent. And the dictionary definition of overwhelm is, as a verb, to overpower completely in mind or feeling. And when I think about that, uh, when it comes to abuse, I think of gaslighting, doubt, guilt, fear, obligation, being good enough amongst a lot of things. You know, also to overpower, especially with superior forces, to destroy or crush. And obviously this can be in the mind or feeling, but I also think of this as physical abuse. There's intimidation, cutting off rooms, isolation, rage. And also another definition is to cover or bury beneath a mass of something like floodwaters or debris or an avalanche. And when I think about this, I think of love bombing, to load or a heap, to treat or to address with an overpowering or excessive amount of 
anything. And when we think about abuse and narcissistic abuse and and the beginnings of a relationship with a narcissistic abuser, we really do think about love bombing as the first step of this overwhelm. And the abuser is overwhelming as a way to subdue you. And love bombing gets your defenses down. It happens when someone is overwhelming you with loving words, actions, and behaviors, and it's used as a manipulation technique. It's often used to win you over your trust and affection so that the abuser can meet their goals by knocking down all of your gut feelings and and defenses. And love bombing often involves over-the-top gestures, huge gifts, constant gifts, over-the-top gifts, expensive things, even thoughtful things. It's overwhelming your gut and your senses, and it's a whirlwind. Future faking can come in here. They are saying all the right things, and it's happening so often that you can't stop to think about what is going on, if this is right or wrong. Things are just happening so fast during this stage for most people. And they can't stop complimenting you in many cases. And they might be saying, I love everything about you. I've never met anyone as perfect as you. You're the only person I want to spend time with. They could be bombarding you with texts and phone calls. You know, they could be kind of getting a hold of you through social media, constantly liking your things, commenting on your things, giving you this really big propping up like, oh, this post you made is fantastic. It's 24-7 that this could be going on. They might try to convince you that you are soulmates, saying that you were born to be together. It's fate that we met. You understand me more than anyone. We're soulmates. A love bomber might pressure you into rushing things and making big plans for the future. And they'll mention things like marriage or moving in together when you really have only known each other a short while. So they are trying to overpower you. They're trying to overwhelm you until they have you where you want. It's like a tsunami of affection and praise and being seen. And they want you to accept it all. They're overwhelming you with this intensity as well so it could be charm you know they're running on all cylinders here to overwhelm you in every single way so you have your defenses down in a lot of way that you really begin to trust them and it's kind of like a trojan horse that's happening here it's just this overwhelming thing that is happening so here is like the feeling of overwhelm uh, used here as an abuse tactic as a strategy Uh, on their end as if this was kind of painted as a war you know to kind of knock your defenses down so you are overwhelmed and at this point you're you can't feel the feelings that you might need to feel to understand that this is going too fast this is too much you know because they're flooding you with a sensation of everything feels great and you're not able to kind of make sense of what is actually happening So once an abuser feels like they've done their job in the love bombing stage, that's when the crazy making can begin. And this is all about overwhelm as well. And there are four different types of overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, information overwhelm, decision overwhelm, and time overwhelm. And we'll go through all of these four before we get to abuse tactics and how those are used and and what type of overwhelm happens there. 
So when it comes to emotional overwhelm, emotional overwhelm is a feeling of being overwhelmed by strong emotions such as fear, anger, sadness, despair, loneliness, or anxiety. And for abuse survivors, being on the receiving end of hurtful words, put-downs, intimidation, physical, and emotional abuse can cause emotional overwhelm. And then we have uh, information overwhelm, and this all involves processing, processing everything that's happening while abuse is going on. And this can be a feeling of being overwhelmed by the amount of information that needs to be processed. So when you are being gaslit or actions aren't matching words or circular conversations going on, word salads going on, this can manifest as feelings of confusion, uncertainty, and difficulty focusing. And this is what happens when there's information information overwhelm. And then there's decision overwhelm. And decision overwhelm is the feeling of being overwhelmed by the weight or number of decisions that need to be made. Uh, To identify decision overwhelm, many people will notice that they feel unsure, confused, worried that you'll make the wrong decision. You might freeze here. So self-doubt keeps you stuck. Decisions are stressful. It's like what to cook or please your partner or your parent. So there's moving goalposts with this one. You're damned if you do or damned if you don't. Is this abuse that is going on? Should I stay or should I go? Do I tell someone or not about what is going on? If I tell someone, is that a betrayal if I talk about it? It seems like it could be, but maybe it won't be. Or you're just afraid of making a wrong decision and how it might impact negatively on your future. So there's this decision overwhelm that is going on while you're in an abusive relationship as well. And then there's time overwhelm. And this can happen inside the home of abuse as well, especially if you have a neglectful partner and someone who's not helping you at all with anything that is going on inside the home, yet they expect you to do everything. Even when they screw up, they expect you to fix those things as well. So it's impossible to meet deadlines. It's impossible to keep the home clean. It's impossible to take care of your kids while all of this is going on. There's just a time overwhelm. And if you're a single mom in these situations in post-separation abuse, you'll also know that there's a time overwhelm here as well. And, you know, the abuser has put expectations on you and, and they are not helping at all. And a time overwhelm can really wear Uh, you down completely and you know signs and symptoms of being overwhelmed as a whole you know irrational thoughts you may struggle to think rationally uh, which can make the problems you know even bigger than they were before you could have a freeze response as I already mentioned in some cases you may react to the abuse that is going on because of the overwhelm of the situation which might put you in a spot where they're going to call you an abuser and that is a situation that many people are dealing with some people will withdraw they become quiet from family and friends they isolate themselves and that might be going on you might really start to feel helpless and hopeless in this situation uh, because of the overwhelm and pessimism might you know set in and then obviously you might be anxious and you might be so sad that you're, there's a lot of crying. You might be angry or irritable. There's a lot of mood changes to know if you are being overwhelmed in the situation that you are currently in. And, uh, you know, 
trouble concentrating, uh, making decisions, solving problems. There might be brain fatigue that could be going on as well as physical fatigue. And that could be dizziness. You know, you might be getting headaches, cramps, just a lot of different things that might be going on physically that are a manifestation from all of this overwhelming abuse that is going on, uh, whether it be uh, from decision-making, from uh, information overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, or time overwhelm, the combination of all of these things, all created by abuse, can contribute to all of these signs and symptoms and overwhelm in, in general. So now that we have discussed the different types of overwhelm, let's go into the abuse tactics that an abuser uses to overwhelm you. And the first one we have here is gaslighting. And gaslighting can create doubt. And when someone is trying to gaslight you, they are trying to get you to doubt your perspective, your reality, often by twisting facts or insisting things you remember didn't actually happen. And here you have processing decision and emotional overwhelm going on. You're trying to process everything of what is actually happening. You know, your decisions are impacted by this because there's doubt that can be created and then the emotional aspect of everything gets put in here as well. One of the tactics of, of gaslighting or creating doubt can be put downs. And, you know, put downs, you know, it's doubt. You know, there's nitpicking going on. And just for an example of how something like this can work when it comes to the body, let's say, uh, they might be nitpicking at, you know, you and how you look. And then you yourself in this instance might be overwhelmed with the way you look. And this will get you to self-gaslight yourself and start to make you feel bad about who you are. And you can be feeling bad in your body at this point and just not really be comfortable around them, you know, walking around in society. And society does this to you as well. This isn't just a relationship thing, but, you know, this is also a big one for, for society as far as how you feel about your body and the messages that you get from the world. But here's just a way, you know, to kind of differentiate when, you know, gaslight, gaslighting is creating doubt and that involves uh, decision making and processing. But there's also this emotional aspect that, that can be done if the nitpicking is done uh, to you when it comes to your body. And this can also be your competency. You know, we hear that a lot on the show with competency. You know, they start nitpicking at how smart you are and that that really gets in your head. You start to self-gaslight yourself. You start to feel that you aren't smart. You start to feel that you could be stupid in a lot of ways. And, you know, that starts to, you know, get into the emotional aspect of you, but it also can get into decision-making and doubt that, you know, you might not be making the right decisions because you aren't smart and that they might say that they are the smart one and they are the truth teller. So this is how gaslighting can overwhelm you in, in a bunch of different ways, uh, processing, decision making and emotional overwhelm. And the next one on our list, we always hear about guilt on our show. We hear about obligation on our show so excessive guilt from them or excessive, you know, them wanting you to only have obligations to them, the abuser in this situation. It's an overwhelm of that because they want you to focus 
on them all the time. And when that happens, you know, this guilt and this obligation, you're feeling that guilt, you're feeling that obligation. So you get overwhelmed with these feelings. You know, they could call you ungrateful or or things like that, which makes you feel that you then have to, that overwhelms your senses of guilt and obligation to them. And all of a sudden what happens is you're taking care of them you yourself have little energy to do your own thing. You know, you don't have time to do anything for yourself. Your self-care begins to become secondary to the other person. And when it comes to obligation, you might beat yourself up over all the things that you should be doing. And when we hear of the Lundy Bancroft list of abusers and I hear about guilt or obligation, obligation specifically, I think of the demand man on the abuser types list. And that person can really, you know, do a number on overwhelm about what you are not doing for them. And, you know, they're very good at that type of abuse because the demand man really wants you to take care of all of their needs, even their needs where they screw up. You know, they've made it seem like you're the one that could have been part of that screw up and you should be doing so many things for them. So they're overwhelming you with obligation and guilt. And, you know, that really takes over uh, everything here. Uh, Up next, we have fear, and fear can be so many different types of abuses, physical abuse, there could be physical intimidation going on, rage, cutting off rooms. Uh, This really puts you into a hypervigilance mode, you know, you really, you know, off balance, you're kind of waiting for a shoe to drop, and you're overwhelmed with this fear that these things could be happening or could be around the corner you're you're concerned about what you're going to say how the house might look you you know you're concerned with everything you have no idea what the abuser might react to and this is just a very overwhelming thing and you're constantly thinking about the, these things you're constantly thinking about them and you're constantly thinking about how these things should not be happening So you are just really overwhelmed here emotionally out of uh, fear, you know, maybe despair a lot because this might seem like something that you'll never be able to to get out of. You know, there could be time overwhelm here because, you know, you're you're afraid of things not being done in the house uh, or things along those lines that causes a bit of an overwhelm here. Your decision-making about what to do as well. There could be decision overwhelm that happens. And, you know, that is just because you don't know if you're going to be making the right decision or or wrong decision. It all depends on the day or what mood uh, the abuser might be in. So fear is a big one when it comes to uh, overwhelm and, you know, how it gets your emotional time and uh, decision-making all into this overwhelm overdrive. So in fear there, I use the term, you know, waiting for another shoe to drop. And when it comes to the silent treatment, we think of the silent treatment 
not being something that is overwhelming because the person is moving far away from you. They're, they're cutting off communication. But it's kind of an interesting uh, abuse tactic because even though they're pulling away, it's like a pull away that is an overwhelming thing and that it is used as an overwhelm. Because what happens here with the silent treatment, you know, it's a manipulative behavior when someone is ignoring you to control you. In a lot of ways, it makes you feel isolated and it makes you think that you did something wrong and you get overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame. And a lot of people think that they have to fix what's going on and they kind of maybe jump or chase the person that is the one giving you the silent treatment, the abuser that is doing that because, you know, this guilt and shame, these overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame that are going on with you. But the silent treatment also can create fear. And a lot of people uh, who are feeling fear with the silent treatment, it's because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. They are waiting for the possible reaction, a rage reaction. You know, physical abuse could possibly happen coming from the silent treatment. It's a scary, scary thing. So here is a way that someone is, an abuser is pulling away with a silent treatment, but at the same time, that pull away is like this double thing where, you know, in the history of your relationship, you might see that pull away as being the first step before something terrible is about to happen. So the silent treatment is a really interesting uh, form of overwhelm when it comes to an abuse tactic, and it creates these feelings of guilt, shame, and extreme fear in in, in so many uh, abuse survivors. And another one on our list here is financial abuse. In financial abuse, you might be feeling limited. You might feel like you are lacking freedom. There could be a big fear of poverty or just being alone. Money worries become a big thing. There's a lot of fear when it comes to financial abuse. There's this overwhelming feeling of despair here, this helplessness that you are trapped when it comes to financial abuse. And it's a big reason why people stay in these abusive relationships because you feel like you are lost and there's this hopelessness and there's no way to get out. And so you're dealing here with emotional overwhelm. Uh, You're dealing with decision-making overwhelm as well. You're trying to process everything, but decision-making overwhelm. You don't know if you're going to be making the right decision to leave. Uh, if if staying is the right thing, you know, you don't want to be homeless. Uh, you don't know. Well, there's just a lot. There's just a lot of stuff that's going on when it comes to the decision making process here that is overwhelming, overwhelming your senses when it comes to financial abuse that can keep you, you know, stuck in these relationships for a very long time. And isolation is also a tactic that is used. Isolation from your friends and family. Self-isolation could be going on and it's emotionally overwhelming in the sense of, you know, feeling lost, feeling despair, feeling lonely, feeling helpless, that you have no way out, no contact with other people. So isolation can be a big part of overwhelm as well and abuse tactic that is an abuse tactic that is used to really get this overwhelm, emotional overwhelm going on uh, within you. 
And then the last thing that we wanted to mention on our list here when it comes to different types of abuse tactics that are used by an abuser. And when we think of the abuser type list from Lundy Bancroft, I think of the victim. We hear a lot of victim stories on our survivor stories. And when it comes to the victim players, you know, a lot of the time, you know, they uh, could have threats of suicide. Uh, they might want you to think that you have to save them. They can't live without you. You know, they're really playing the, the victim when it comes to if you're trying to leave, you know, they put their life in your hands as if you're the one that has to save them. And this could be really paralyzing for so many people because you feel responsible for saving them. How could you leave them? And this brings in a lot of emotional overwhelm. And this also brings in, you know, decision overwhelm. Because what if you do make the wrong decision? What if they do take their life? What if they can't live without you? They really need you. We hear this a lot with when it comes to addicts, like, oh, they might relapse if I leave them. They're using their victimhood here and that they can't live without you or they might die without you as a way to overwhelm everything that's going on. So you start overthinking everything, all of the process, and that can keep you in an abusive relationship. And it's a big tactic that abusers will use. So that's things that are within the relationship. And I guess the biggest thing that we hear outside of the relationship after the relationship is over is just the rumination of what has happened. And so even in the aftermath, you're trying to figure out everything that has gone on. You're dealing with trauma, PTSD, CPTSD. You're dealing with grief. You're dealing with loss. You don't know if you made the right decision. You're really fixated on the abuser and and what they've done. And you're just trying to make sense of everything. And so many people are dealing with rumination in the aftermath. And it's just this overwhelm of like constant questions and you know did you make the wrong decision am i the abuser there's just so many things that are going on and and rumination is a big uh part of the process for so many people in the aftermath which people hope that you know it ends sooner rather than later but it's a very difficult thing to you know um get through and move through and rumination is the big thing and it's an overwhelm of your senses because of everything that has gone on and the overwhelm of the relationship and the trauma that you have uh, incurred. So another thing that happens when you're out of the relationship, there could be post-separation abuse that is going on, which is overwhelming. There's court and there's custody that you could have be that you could be dealing with. Being a single parent isn't an easy thing, and that provides its own version of overwhelm because you really are doing it by yourself at a certain point. You're not getting help from anyone when it comes to court, you know, taking care of your child, taking care of your home, everything like that. So, you know, now I'm going to bring, you know, Gene back in here to really discuss, you know, her feelings when it comes to overwhelm, how she can explain what overwhelm was to her, how she experienced everything within the relationship 
and uh, in the aftermath of the relationship as well and what she's still still dealing with uh, today when it comes to the overwhelm and trauma and, and, and PTSD. So, uh, Jean, so tell us a little bit about how you are dealing with uh, overwhelm in your experience of in your experience of it within your relationship. Yeah. Um, so I think overwhelm is actually a really cool subject to look at all of this in because I think overwhelm is, um, kind of a broad category tool. If you look at it, I mean, you know, you've discussed love bombing, you've discussed, you know, a lack of time, all these different things. And those are all elements that are going to overwhelm you. So if you're over, like, you know, for example, I was overwhelmed with the love bombing in the beginning. And, and it created these beliefs as opposed to seeing the behaviors of love. I was overwhelmed by the information and all of the words of affirmation. And that cemented a concrete belief in me that that's how he would be. So yeah, it creates the overwhelm of, of, the, of how he sees me, right? Like I, I, I felt like he saw me as this wonderful person. And that cemented that kind of, let's say, marker or benchmark in my mind. So now if I'm not getting the same level that was that overwhelm, I'm now in a deficiency. Um, and so it creates a carrot for me to move to in the overwhelm and love bombing. And then in the inverse, the same thing happened in the overwhelm with some of the negativity. So one thing you mentioned was silent treatment. Um, and I, I, there were times where I felt overwhelmed by silence. Um, you know, I had been used to maybe a bunch of words of affirmation, or I, maybe I was used to commands, or I was used to managing things. And then if I did something wrong, it would go from an overwhelm of information to an overwhelm of silence. So there was never kind of this medium, let's say, ground to work on. There was always a ton in one category. And I've come to learn, I guess, after um, that, you know, the brain just can't log all of that information. It can't take in all of that silence at once because it's such a drastic change. Um, and, and so I think that that's my abuser in particular would use, um, going from overwhelm and silence to overwhelm and direction to overwhelm and anger. And so the overwhelm was in each of these specific categories, but it wasn't like just taking one jump from one thing to another. It was a massive jump, a massive deplete one and a massive increase the other. In regards to kind of in the beginning before maybe PTSD intersects with all of it, um, the, the cycle of overwhelm that would happen in love bombing is when I was not getting the love bombing or the praise at the level that I had been, I was then in a cycle to amp up what I was giving while he was simultaneously lowering a standard. So it was kind of a, I wouldn't even know how to, you know, really changing the benchmark for each of us. Um, and I think that that's one big vehicle of the overwhelm. Um, in the aftermath or later when, you know, you're in a, you're far more deteriorated in the relationship, um, the overwhelm was probably anything. I mean, I was so backlogged, right? Like I was feeling overwhelmed in every area, emotional, anger, fear, responsibility, duty, obligation, uh, in all of those categories. And so a dog barking, a loud noise, a lot of people around, a lot of movement, intense light, anything 
that would be a big push of something uh, would overwhelm my system. So a sensory overload became a, a thing on top of the tsunami of manipulation and abuse tactics that were going on for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my body was deteriorated. My brain, my body, everything was deteriorated. Um, and so it, you know, I mean, even two years out, I'm still dealing with kind of an energy matrix that needs to be replenished. I'm still running at a deficit because of all of the backlog, because it's taken so much time to kind of work through all of that information. So you do reach a point of chaos. Was your overwhelm in thinking uh, for you a process on what could I do to be a better partner? What am I doing wrong? What is wrong with me? Uh, where was your thought process on your overwhelm? My overwhelm probably was tied to the things that I valued most of the time. So like I valued competency as a means of proving myself. Um, and so, uh, you know, I would take on things in order to maintain that competency for myself. Um, and, and instead of relying on my, you know, self-love system to say, hey, that's enough, create the boundary and walk away. So I was kind of attempting to um, keep things I thought about myself intact. And therefore, I would take on the extra obligation so that I didn't lose my personal value. Uh, I still feel a lot of overwhelm. I would be honest on a day-to-day basis. Maybe it's not constant. Visually, I would think of it as almost like a zoom out. It's, you know, a thunder heart and a zoom out um, almost to a, yeah, like a trauma response, a fight, flight, or freeze would usually happen for me. It was typically freeze or panic, something of that nature. So... For you as well, you're, you dealt with all of this within the relationship, but you're also dealing with the divorce, custody, your child, being a single mom, money, housing, support. And there's many people listening who are dealing with this. Is this a different type of overwhelm than the other one? Because you're you're kind of dealing with the fact of, you have trauma coming out of this relationship and now you know what it is. So you're trying to heal that while doing everything by yourself. So is it a different form of trauma? And, you know, before you are catering a lot of the time, I assume to the other person. So, but now you're kind of trying to get your life together and trying to guess cater to yourself. So it, does it feel different or no? What feels different is maybe the source of blame. You kind of go through a different situation, but the source of blame of the overwhelm very much at first, um, you know, will be you when you're being love bombed and then downgraded. And then the source of it becomes the other person once you kind of start to wake up to it. Um, and then when you're in that aftermath of the list that you saw, uh, you know, you're dealing with overwhelm, or, you know, with the source being them, but the source also being you, because you're also having to wake up to like a lot of your deficiencies that you've developed during the trauma. Um, 
And, and then there's the overwhelm, specifically on the divorce and custody side of things. <laughs> there's the overwhelm of going into negotiating you know, your child's future, essentially, with somebody that's unstable and then not being believed by courts or lawyers or not having the the constitution to be able to operate in a non-traumatized state. Um, and then you're doing all the paperwork um, that comes across, like along with the divorce. And that is typically unrooting any financial issues that you have. Um, or that you and your, your partner had, or a lot of times during that, you're also finding out stuff you didn't want to know, um, that comes out in the divorce. So it's extremely overwhelming. There's, I found a question on uh, Cora and it said, why do victims of narcissistic abuse have an overwhelming desire to make everyone understand what really happened? So in your process, while you're going through divorce and taking care of a child and dealing with everything, possibly being smeared. This has to be a frustration as well, because you want people to know, like, you know, what you were dealing with. So for you, was this a massive thing for you, frustration and thing you wanted to make clear to everyone or did you learn pretty quickly, like, I need, I, I can't, like, this is overtaking me, like, this desire to do that, and it's getting me nowhere, possibly? I, I mean, yes, of course, I felt that overwhelming desire. I I basically wanted to write a research paper and cite all these sources so I could prove technically what happened to me. I felt a very big overwhelm um, of that. Um, I was lucky, in my personal case, I was lucky that... Um, two professionals that I was working with a therapist and a divorce coach at that time were working with me on proper sources of validation because they were aware that this is such a big part of this process, um, that I don't go out and try to get, um, validation and prove what happened to me, um, from wrong sources. Cause it would just further traumatize me. So I, I will tell you, I'm entirely grateful for that, but I think the person that's been, you have no closure when you walk away from somebody like this, right? You're walking away blind and usually with them, you know, throwing stuff at you at the door. Um, and, and so you never get closure. And so you just want someone to hear this happened to me and it was painful and it, and it hurt and you, and you want to be believed because horribly painful. Um, and, and I think that that's one of the great, uh, really hard part of being in a situation like this is actually facing that particular overwhelm that you're talking about is wanting to be believed, wanting people to believe you, um, and see what's done. But, you know, we live in a society where your eyes have to prove things and, and that's just not there. And I think a lot of people get themselves in even worse situations and create more overwhelm for themselves by trying to get validation from those sources. Um, I, I mean, I can share a brief story. I, insanely thought that I would get validation from my mother-in-law <laughs> about her son and his, her, his behavior towards me. And, and like, it didn't even enter my mind that, yeah, of course she's going to stick up for her child. You know what I mean? Like I was like, people are good. They'll do the right thing. And boy, was I wrong. And that was a painful, painful, um, 
the last time I ever spoke to her, actually, she just hung up on me, you know? Uh, so, yeah. And I guess before we go, with you specifically, and I'm sure this is with a lot of people, that you had a lot of overwhelm because you were not healing fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And that set you, that in itself became a process for you on figuring out what to do because I don't know if there's a comparison there to other people or it's perfectionism that is part of it as well, being hard on yourself, things that were in the relationship, but it's a lot of pressure you put on yourself and it became overwhelming on many occasions for you. So how did you go through that process? Well, what was driving that or the source there was society standards when I got out um, because, you know, I'm a single mom. I've got a kid. I want to show myself as competent and capable. capable. If I'm going to go into a courtroom and suggest that the child should belong to me full time, I, I, I'm going to put pressure on myself to um, show up as that mother too, right? Like, and that's a pretty big, bold claim, especially for somebody that's kind of in a deteriorated state. Um, and so I felt a lot of obligation, not even obligation, but yeah, want, desire, anything to move past it. Um, and every time I tried to speed up against that, you know, patience was the answer. Patience, you have to work at a patient state. And particularly on the healing topic, I, I believed I could heal with mind or with just body, but the, the big part was soul. And the soul's pace is so slow <laughs> that to heal it, right? You have to be really patient and gentle and nurturing with it. And it, it does not like to be rushed. So if you rush it, it just caused honestly more overwhelmed because it's like, I'm doing all this work and I'm not seeing the results or feeling the way that I had anticipated me feeling. Um, and yeah, but I, I think it created a lot of distress. So I had to stop putting outcomes on it or the prediction of outcomes on it, try to note small wins along the way to kind of ground it in the present moment. So Jean, uh, thank you for being here with me today and being part of this episode. I've wanted to start an episode or an episode series on different feelings. And I really just can't thank you enough uh, for being here with me today and explaining your overwhelm to everyone. Happy to do it. This was not overwhelming. Well, thank you for that, Gene. And if everyone wants to listen to Gene's episode, I will put the link in our show notes so you can listen to Gene's episode when she was a guest on our Survivor Story episodes. And if you want to be a guest like Gene was on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. And when you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And if you are someone that needs support, we here at Narcissist Apocalypse have a support group. So at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. 
We also have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. It is a wonderful group of people on there, and you can share your experiences with all of them and make friends too. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. At DomesticShelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are dealing with. They have every phone number and email address and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you are in. DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource and organization. So if you need extra support, please do go to DomesticShelters.org. And we have a new friend to the show, and it is a place called Shelter Movers. And Shelter Movers can be found at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life. It is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported charitable organization as well. They are currently only in Canada, but they are looking to expand in the United States. And what they do is they help you coordinate you know, moves for getting out of domestic violence. They help you to safety and get all of your things out of your home and into storage, all of your belongings into storage. And they can do this for your pets and livestock too. It is a wonderful organization. So if you need help from them or just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's Q&A episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And a big thank you to Gene for being part of it. So for myself and Gene, we hope you have a good night.